0: Hello and welcome to Enjoy the Wander. I'm Unji. I'm One. And you're coming back with us uh, to finish up the identity series as we come to you guys and recap the awesome content that was shared by three different series of guests. Mm. Wow, it feels like such a long time ago already. Huh? Wan-hee? I know.
1: Wow. <laughs> it feels like a very long time ago. It- to think that this had originally been one episode,
0: I know and, uh, it's
1: now three separate episodes plus a bonus content episode that you're getting right now from us.
0: That is from so our perspective. true. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think Wani said it right. We we wanted to ultimately put all three of these into one, max two episodes, but I think sometimes we realize our guests have so much wisdom, so much. Mm, but you know so who much. else has wisdom?
1: You and G. Wow. And you want <laughs> me.
0: And one thing we promised you would do is make sure we set a tone of vulnerability and rawness for ourselves. And I think that was a goal of yours, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, using the podcast as a way to kind of just talk about what's on my mind, right? And yeah, in an unfiltered way as much as possible. Yeah.
0: Ooh, well, what a natural transition to how about us wrapping up this series by sharing our reflections in what this COVID experience has done for us and our identity, how that might've shifted, how that might've been affected over the last almost 11 months now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Manny, do you want to go first?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, yeah, I think when I, so when I think about COVID, the first memory that I can remember is back in December and maybe January of 2019-2020, hearing about this virus that was making its way through Wuhan. And I remember seeing videos of people in the hospitals, the massive crowding that was happening and just thinking, wow, that's terrible, you know, and thinking it seems like there's something really big going on in China, but never... It, it never occurred to me that this might be something that we we need to worry about, you know? I think with global news and things like that, it's always something that seems so distant and far away. Yeah. And for the like three months between when I first heard about COVID and the coronavirus and the shutdown that was happening, it just like didn't register to me that this was happening until the day that everything got shut down. And I remember the, the day that we had to shut things down very vividly because uh, we were at our senior trip for the youth group that I serve at, and we were literally coming back from Galveston, and while we were at Galveston, we just kept seeing all this news and these reports about Houston, like Harris County shutting down, Texas shutting down, all these states and and uh, different places shutting down, and I just remember thinking, "Wow, this is this is really happening." And there was a moment at the. At the trip where I started coughing for something, and I just remember being like, "Oh my god, I have it!" Yeah. <laughs> and, and just being like, "It's like the very beginning of the pandemic, right? Like cases weren't that high. I think people were just kind of um, getting used to this idea of a coronavirus hitting the states." And I remember thinking, "Oh my goodness, I have it!" But yeah. I mean, clearly at that point, like it hasn't—it wasn't as widespread as it is now. And I remember making our way back to church, and usually on Sundays, right, it's full of people church service is about to happen. People are greeting each other, eating donuts, like saying hello. And we went to the church, like at, like got there like eight 30 and it was just completely shut down. Like no lights, no nothing. No one was there. And that was the first time that I can remember in the almost like 10 years that I've been going there that on Sunday it was just shut down like that. And I, I remember taking an Instagram story of that moment yeah. and it was just eerie. It had it was like the Walking Dead had come through and just I like cleared the ho- the hospital scene you know where uh, the main character is just walking through the empty hallways um,
0: yeah I don't watch Walking Dead um,
1: <laughs> well um, that's the first episode so no spoilers don't worry <laughs> I, I just remember thinking wow this is this is uh, this is pretty scary and I remember coming back to church and just being really creeped out I think by church being shut down and just feeling wow, like this is real, you know, this is happening. From that point on, our assumption at that point was, you know, it's going to be two months, maybe at the most, we're going to be stuck at home, right? And then life will go back to normal. But I think the longer and longer that it continued on and dragged on, I think I went through this process of fear at the very beginning of not wanting to go out of my apartment, not wanting to walk Watson outside because who knows who else is out there. I remember the streets being like completely empty. And back then I used to live in Midtown of, of Houston, right? Where it's like pretty busy. Like even during the afternoon, folks were going to coffee shops and stuff and everything was just like shut down and no one was walking around. And I remember just like the fear that grew up to me, I think at that point of, I, I just got to stay home. Like what else am I supposed to do? You know, I think during that period, there was a lot of just trying to find ways to make it through the day almost. Uh, yeah. Like what am I supposed to do with all this time? I just sit around and do nothing. I mean, I work, thankfully, like my work stayed pretty consistent. And and then during the evening, you know, you just do what you can, I guess. And lots of like hours to watch TV or video games. But after like two weeks of that, it's, you know, what can you do? <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I just remember feeling like, wow, like life really feels like it's shut down even church related stuff, like nothing was happening. We had, we had a live stream once I think where like folks just kind of like came together like over zoom, like with individual house churches. I don't even remember what we did like at the very beginning, but uh, I just remember feeling very stuck at home.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that was the case for a while. I, that was pretty much up until like May, you know, and what I learned during that period is we can try all these things and do all these things. We had like virtual game nights. We had like all these things. And like in the first few times you do it, it's like kind of exciting because it's new, but you slowly start to realize like it's not the same, you know? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I just remember feeling very dead. And uh, like my roommates and I were all kind of struggling, trying to do our own thing. And, And so I just remember a lot of feeling very isolated at home. What changed all that was in May, when our youth group decided to start putting on uh, virtual worship, like live stream, for our for everyone to tune in. And there were in the beginning, there were just like ten of us, right? The praise team and the folks running the cameras behind the scene, and then that would get streamed out to the youth group. And I remember the first week coming back and being able to be even like very socially distanced in like this giant room. That feeling of like, oh, we're like here in person. <laughs> this is so much better. I remember coming, the feeling of coming back to life almost of, uh, man, I really needed this social interaction with people, you know, Mm. since then it's been this like ongoing process of like slowly starting to ramp up of inviting one or two kids here who are really struggling and watching them kind of go through the same process as we did of being stuck at home for so long and feeling disconnected from their friends. I mean, can you imagine like your senior year of high school, right. And being stuck at home, like that's so hard Mm. and seeing them come out to church and emotionally and spiritually and mentally just like being brightened up from where they used to be. I think I one thing I have learned since then is I think with COVID, there's this fear of like the disease itself, right? Obviously, the disease is very real. The pandemic is very real. It's very dangerous for folks. And it's right to be very careful. And it's right to be very cautious and intentional about everything that we do. But on the other side, the the fear of the disease is almost just as crippling sometimes. And I remember going through that and thinking that and feeling like, Man, there's a lot of anxiety and fear, and uh, that comes with just trying to navigate life during a pandemic. And mm. I think looking back on it, like I'm obviously very privileged to be, you know, to still have a job, to be responsible just for myself, and to uh, live a life that doesn't require me to be that allows me to be a little bit more intentional. I don't really know what the word is, right? Because
0: mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. Like, how do you how
1: do you describe that, right? Like to be yeah. more free. I don't know. And there's like that guilt of like, am I, is it okay for me to be telling people that I'm going out to church? Is it okay for me to like tell people that I'm out doing stuff? And there's just so many different thoughts. And I, I feel like this era or this past year, that has been the biggest and hardest thing is hmm. there's so many things to think through
0: right. when
1: life, when there's no pandemic, when there's no mysterious virus that's floating in the air, the intentionality just wasn't as much and intense, but now- Every movement, every place you go to, there has to be a level of thought and carefulness and considerateness that is so draining, you know. And I, uh, I think that for me has been probably the hardest part of the pandemic is you got to think through everything now. And yeah. I mean, y'all know me like I don't, I don't like thinking.
0: I'm <laughs> laughing, <much>. yes.
1: <laughs> and I, I think it's that that part in itself has been has been really hard, but learning to really live life as best as we can and to the fullest we can even during a pandemic I think has taught me a lot of this balance of courage and also consideration compassion and being understanding while being like what like there's that moment in in like youth groups especially where you want to like encourage kids to come out but you got to be understanding of their parents and their kids and their specific situations so if anything I feel like the biggest lesson that I feel like I've learned is that everyone's situation is different, right? And so the way that you reach out to people, the way that you show love to people, the way that you encourage people like has to look different for every person. And I think it reminds me of like what Peter was talking about in in that episode of like, this world is so chaotic that we have to be even more intentional now uh, with everything that's been going on. And uh, I'm very thankful, I think, for the lessons that I've learned not necessarily for the time and like this the things that we had to go through but I think the lessons that I learned I think were were really huge for yeah. thinking about what life looks like after this period yeah so I, I think I, I learned a lot through through this past 11 months uh, yeah. but that yeah so as a single guy like that was my life
0: <laughs> like
1: yeah. just got to watch out for myself you know and obviously got to be careful around others. But yeah. I know a lot of people have gone through a lot of different things. And obviously, like you as a mom, mm-hmm. have have gone through an entirely different journey and l- different life stage through all this. So I'm curious, like what this past 11 months has been like, for you and and your family.
0: Yeah, uh, Wani, thanks for sharing kind of what you've been through. I think someone that's been watching you reflect, I definitely want to emphasize the the great reflections that you have had also just saying like the our church youth group is really, I they are so good at the protocols that are put in place for COVID. And so I'm really glad that you guys worked so hard to make sure it was a safe space for the youth. Um, even when we heard from Stefan when he joined on, right? Like he struggled with uh, being an extrovert and not having that space. And for him, just to know, like, you know, for a lot of us during this time, mental health has been a struggle as well. Um, it's, it's really encouraging that you guys really did everything in y'all's power and also like submitting so much into prayer and to the Lord to like make sure things were done safely for these kids. So props to you. Ya, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. I'm very thankful, I think, to be able to serve in a ministry and to be part of like a community that really strives to kind of take those balance in in those things. And so, yeah, 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 really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, so something that was really important for me was when last episode with Peter, when he at the end separated, like, My, our precarious-ish terming, terming of COVID identity for this series because, you know, COVID we hope is fleeting while I, our identity should be this resilience, right? And so this thought has really been challenging me as I think about 2021 because For 2020, I really made my identity only about COVID and COVID identity, right? And Mm -hmm. how that became something something much more fragile than a powerful identity I'm used to really reflecting upon. So, you know, no need to preface that in 2020, you know, my identity was already going to have a huge shift before COVID. I was already expecting an identity shift because I was going to become a mom in March, right? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I thought I was doing all the assumed steps of what that meant, even though like no one really told me what to do. And any mom listening can empathize that you have no idea what's actually on the other side until you get there. Right. And even one of my friends after I birthed Jaden was like, you fought the battle. Okay. Now welcome to the war, but it's okay. We got this together. Like you're, you're a mom now. Right. And you know, she's been wanting to say that to me, but she couldn't say that to me until postpartum journey like began. Um, mm-hmm. and so for for me you know like I understood what that meant because the, my heart's capacity to love like instantaneously grew bigger the moment Jaden came out of me <laughs> damn I <laughs> you know I'm <and> like <laughs> you, you you immediately grow to love in all these different ways like First and foremost, like not realizing like more than my heart's capacity is like my body's capacity to love, you know, the, the time, the energy, my mind, um, like everything, right? I, I just think and arrange and plan for Jaden, right? And so anything I did kind of already shifted in that instant to where everything was focused on Jaden, right? Not just me, but Matt too. We just, everything was suddenly about Jaden. Um, starting March sixteenth, And that was also when, because I remember you were on your youth trip, uh, that was when, like you mentioned, the pandemic kind of hit hard in America and it became real. So Mm. to paint a picture, it's like someone threw me in a fiery maze and then just for fun, put in some snakes in there as well. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not like you just have to survive the fire to get to the other side of the maze. But then I also have to watch out for these very random venomous snakes That could get me at any moment. Look at me practicing my imagery because I was so inspired (laughs) by the last episode by Pastor Peter. Anyway, so so in that, I think because I was suddenly always focused on the snakes or something like that. You know, like I didn't have a chance to even grieve the identity shift of becoming a mother because when you do become Mm -hmm. a mother, I think it's important to grieve the loss of you and only you, right? Like you are just you, and you're only really in charge for your body, even though you are a wife, but. When you become a mother, like you literally lose all of that. And that's that's mm-hmm. a huge blessing. But I don't think I had time to even like process that or so say goodbye to that because there was like this whole unknown of COVID, right? And at that time it was like, Nobody knew anything, so it was just scary, right? And so this world became so unpredictable, and it was a world where my parents were able to make it to the hospital with me for a delivery, mm-hmm. right? And it's not like I was like that must happen, but that was just something I expected, I took for granted, right? A world where my friends and my family members they had to cancel their flights to, like you know, there I had March, April, May. I had I, I knew like at least who would be visiting when, um, when it was like two months out of delivery, where they would meet Jaden, like that was canceled. And it was a world where our meal trains would be you being one of our first, right? but knocking on the door and then stepping back and then making sure you're stepped back, making sure our masks are on and then seeing Jaden from afar, which is like, yes, like we say, that is a privilege to still be able to see people in that way. And it received the help for sure. But once again, it's like that, Oh, this is not what I planned. And this is just Mm -hmm. like so isolating in a time where I already feel isolated as a mother because you do not know what that is until you get there. But then you're also missing all those important people in your life. And so that was really hard for me. And, and I think in all of that, I really kind of lost faith in God. Not necessarily like I wasn't angry at him or anything, but I just really trusted my anxieties more than the faith that, oh, this is going to end. Right. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, maybe a month or two after it would have been, oh yeah, it's over. Right. But month became two, two became five, you know, and then it's just like, is it ever going to end? And even right now I'm like, is it going to end? And so, so yeah, I'm, I'm just always looking, (laughs) I guess for that. And so because I didn't know, I think, and obviously these could be excuses, but for me, it's like, I, I didn't set a plan even for what hospital would look like with COVID because it literally happened while I was there, I guess, Mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think because of that, and I was always just trying to like understand what COVID and motherhood look like hand in hand. I felt like I lost a lot of other identities in my life. I felt frustrated when black lives matters, like really started um, kind of taking root in June because I think I even lost my voice in things I knew were, important to me and things I wanted to advocate for like I didn't vote for the primaries and I only I like I barely voted for election because I knew that was super important but like I was like I don't know if I should go out there what if this you know like things like that just became such a fear that other things that were important to me I began to like I guess not know how to do those things and like even like I got a new job that I prayed for for like over a year. And so I knew that this was a job that was a divine opportunity. But even in that, because of the way HISD kind of changed the policy of in-person for staff members, I was still in a place where we were not comfortable with me going in person, where protocols were not put into well communication like our youth group does. And so Mm -hmm. that was a place for us to make a tough decision to quit a job I really, really wanted. And so in all of that, I think I just constantly felt like I was choosing a loss of something in order to, of course, love my season right now, but then not fully knowing what the season was because all of my decisions were based on this fleeting COVID portion of identity, if that makes
2: sense. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And so I think right now I'm still struggling because I I have quit. So um, what does that look like? And, you know, when I'm at home taking care of Jaden, but then I see, Matt on his computer and Alex on his computer working. And it's like, I want to do that too. Like, I want to work sometime. And, you know, there's all just like, everything is inside. Nothing's out of sight, out of mind. So there's always these like thoughts in my mind about this or that. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just want to make sure that in 2021, I really find the privilege of what it is to be able to witness Jaden growing up. So I know this sounds all dramatic and stuff, but it was a very, it's been a dramatic time for me, especially because unlike you, I like to think all the time. And so when I'm always thinking and there's no one to really help me process, like obviously Matt, but you know, like even just like my female friendships that are very far, Hmm. I just let myself keep thinking.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big lesson I I had to figure out this past year also. Mm Mm-hmm even as someone who doesn't really intentionally deep think that much, I I think I'm the opposite where I feel a lot of things Mm. underneath that end up dictating my actions. Right. So when I'm like scared or when I'm fearful, I just like withdraw or like, I don't really like talking to other people or I don't let people in Mm. into like how I'm feeling or the things that I'm feeling. But I think what I had to go through this past year is, really learning that like the thoughts and the fears, the anxieties, like it's okay for me to feel those, right? Because you can't like control how you feel about stuff. Like those feelings are just going to come. But it's about how do we act and how do we, like, what what do our actions flow out of that? Like what do our actions flow from that, right? Like what what does that look like that really dictates like who we are, I guess, almost like because our identities aren't based on our emotions and our thoughts and feelings about what's going on. Our, emo- our identities are based on something bigger than that, right? And I think for me, it, there was a lot of just having to remind myself like, hey, this like anger and frustration, it's like, I can't let myself fall into that and let yeah, that dictate yeah. how I am on a daily basis, right? Yeah. And there was, at, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of conversations about, you know, sometimes you just gotta, it's okay to feel like some, you just gotta let yourself, you yeah. know self-care and, you know, that's obviously really good, right? Everyone's got to take care of themselves. But I think what I had to go through is like, yes, it's important to take care of myself. It's okay to like acknowledge that I feel this way, but not let my life get taken over by these negative like thoughts and emotions, things that like threaten to take over, you know? And I think there were a lot of moments where I had to like really figure that stuff out. Like the beginning of the pandemic, you mentioned like, in late may and early june when the george floyd protests were yeah. happening with black lives matter protest was happening there was there was some like pretty like tense conversations that i had with folks during that time of and i had to like kind of take a step back and feel like you know like yeah i'm angry i'm frustrated but am i like letting that anger change who i am as a person you know and yeah. like am i letting my anger come before my identity as a christian as yeah. someone who has faith so I, yeah. I think that has been a huge lesson for me too. this past year of, you know, you can't let those feelings and thoughts take over, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I'm still struggling to process a lot of things, right? Like, Yeah, I'm just now sitting down and be like, okay, it's important to reflect. And it's important to even have these conversations. And I think even for me, like, what do I think is fear or what people say is fear? What do I think is responsibility and love versus what people say is response, you know, because even that is different. And I just, I want to make sure I am doing things with intention again, because I think in 2020, it was a lot of my mind was hurried all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that really stuck out with our last episode was unfiltered transparency. And, you know, if I'm taking care of Jaden, I'm going to be present in that time. Or if I'm with somebody or in our smaller gatherings, like I'm going to be so thankful of those times and not hunger for um, like social media and connecting with people that are not next to me, right. But like wanting to talk to them because they're living a life I want to be with, right. Because I miss my friends and I miss loved ones and I want to connect, but you know what, right now they're, not here, and I, I I can't stop hungering for those things. If right now we're saying, you know, like I am thankful whenever Houston has good weather. I've I've never been thankful for the good weather in Houston. I've only been like ugh for the humid weather. <laughs> but like lately, I am so thankful because that means Jaden and I get to have a good time outside, and mm. like that like we go on walks, and Jaden is like like t- today he waved for the first time on his own. So he initially, mm-hmm. or he initiated waving to this elderly woman named Susan, who was telling me about the discovery center and how I should take him there. And then, and then we were walking this girl walking her dog, was like smiling from across the, you know, sidewalk. And then yeah. in our neighborhood, people are like, if I'm just holding Jaden in my arms, they're like, oh, where's Jaden? Where's his car? You know, little things were like, I probably still would have made friends with our neighbors, but like to this extent, I don't know. And to this place where like, they already know everything about our child because they can see that, I think is something I'm I'm learning to take those little things um, with great gratitude. Yeah, um,
1: that is like, for me, an indication of like, I think when the pandemic first hit, we all entered into this like temporary stage, right? Like we are yeah. in like a, we, we just need to hold this pattern for a few months and yeah. like we'll figure it out, you know? But I, I, the longer this pandemic wore on, it's so, it, we can't stay in that phase, you Yeah, know? You can't stay in that temporary phase. And yeah. I think, like what you just talked about of like, we got to be thankful for what we have now and adjust our life to this new pandemic I, has Yeah, I think that's just, like, where, like, has been a really important transition for me in, like, the past few months, and I I mean, I can see you and Matt, like, really stepping into that, too, like, these past, since you moved into a new house, I think.
0: Yes, thank goodness Uh, for this place. Yeah,
1: Yeah, if y'all didn't know, they used to live in this tiny little two-bedroom apartment that barely had room for anything, and they would have their parents and their sister come over and live together, like, six people and a baby in a house together. Oh, goodness, I don't know how y'all did it, but... (laughs) Like, seeing seeing you guys really build a new life for yourselves in this home and seeing Jaden grow up, I think, has been a huge blessing for me. And Thank you. Seeing the way that you guys adjust to life, I think, has been, yeah, just really amazing to see. And I can see, like, how your new identity in that way has grown a lot, too. Like, as Jaden's growing, you know, you get more confidence yeah. as, like, a mom. Yeah. So you learn all the, like, little tips and tricks of what Jaden yeah. mom is like. Not even, like, baby mom in general, but, like, a Jaden mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for um, – Dis- differentiating that. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Like every mom is a specific baby mama. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, it's, it's great that, you know, we were able to have this time to reflect. And I think that could only actually have happened if our, without, because our guests first, you know, took a courageous step to share even mm-hmm. a part of their life. I think for Stefan, who's so young and, you know, just sharing, not so young, but, you know, like sharing something that he has experienced. And it reminded me of like, you know, for our youth and what, what they've been through. And like you said, like senior year and losing a part of that, but also realizing how flexible they have been, especially mm-hmm. as adults are the ones that are like, you know, no, not this or not that. I, 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 I was encouraged by that. Um, listening to Chris and uh, my sister was super refreshing as previous educators ourselves um, and challenging myself to show my appreciation more than just saying it. Um, and I think their encouragement to both of us is just a reminder that you know we were actually educators and even though we're not mm-hmm. in that season, like we still have powerful stories. So I'm excited for us to share more of those as we continue and not to really lose that passion in that sense. And then listening to Ryan really humbled me because I think that's when I remembered Ryan was immediately on my X list. And I was even thinking about how Rachel, like one of my best friends was on my X list in terms mm-hmm. of like, we can't see you, right? And it makes sense at that time when everything was unknown, but then they remained on this like, oh no, hospitals, uh-oh, no, like can't see you, you know? And like, I think to just think about how isolating that was and and also like how sad I was because Rachel missed out on such a part of Jaden because of this stupid freaking pandemic. Mm-hmm. It just really made me appreciate Ryan more and realizing as a shepherd and as like a true frontline worker, he has <laughs> lost a lot of sleep and endured mm-hmm. a lot for us. And then listening to Alex um, really encouraged me to be transparent and to knock down, you know, our cultural barriers of shame. And continue a dialogue of mental health. I think that's something I hope to do through this. And then, obviously, Peter tied it all together, especially for me. Like, um, I think when we establish connection, that leads to unfiltered transparency in these struggles. It's so important. And I haven't actually ordered DoorDash surprisingly since that time. But I am, you know, I am going to. Ask my DoorDash Delivery Man um, how I can pray for him the next time that happens. I think just thinking of creative ways to be missional um, mm. is something I've been inspired by. And so, yeah, I just want to thank all of our guests for really showing up. Thanks, Wanhee, for seeing my identity shift. And I got to see some of yours um, <laughs> continue. Oh, my gosh. It's making <laughs> me happy. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. Huge shout out, I think, to our guests. because. Thinking back about all the conversations that we had with them, the common thread through all of those things, even though the individual circumstances were so different and unique, it was the, I think the resilience that they had through each of their experiences. Yeah. Everyone talked about how much unknown there Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. from Stefan to to our two teachers, to our Mm -hmm. doctors and patients, like everyone talked about there's so much unknown. And I think we talked about it too, of like, we don't know what's coming ahead. But to power through and really figure out what life looks like in this new day, <laughs> new age, like uh, I think, really for me showed like how people are willing to push through really difficult circumstances, and and they had the faith to know that at the end of this, like we can make it through, you know. And yeah. I, I just really appreciated that theme of resilience and pushing through mm. that they all showed in their stories.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So many people texted me just like, oh, I love this one. Oh, I love that one. And all of them are mm. mentioned. And it's just like cool how this really relates to some of our listeners. So, listeners, I also hope that maybe if you feel like you have a story, if you have a story to share or something and you're convicted to bring it up to the pod,
2: the pod. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> I'm trying to get inspired <laughs> by our previous guest. Okay. Anyways, um, but guess what, Wanhee? I have some exciting news for you. What? <laughs> um, well, we have a third co-host joining our crew. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, he is currently making some milk. So...
1: who Who is this new co-host?
0: Yeah, well, he was one of our original in our third wheel group. So... If you were the third wheel one, he when we first became friends, this is the counterpart, my husband, my baby daddy, my mental health psychiatrist, not mine, but <laughs> a <laughs> mental health psychiatrist, a happy who helped me make a third, fourthie.
2: Hello, everybody! I'm happy to <laughs> no. be here. Wow, <laughs> uh, this feels like old times. I know. This is uh I think this is something that we like would have wanted to happen even in San Antonio, but it didn't between us three. Um, but I'm glad that we can have these good talks together now.
0: <laughs> Matt, why are you on here?
2: On on this uh, podcast?
0: Yeah.
2: I think one, I think uh I don't know, just hearing the beginning, I just really value the conversations being had and um just like two people that I think very highly of in different ways, and that I have close relationships with, and that in different know,
0: ways, yeah,
2: <laughs> I know. In the past, I personally have personally had very important and meaningful conversations with. It's just two people that I think uh, conversations. Hold on, let me think of what to say here. i you like uh, on the spot live, uh,
1: welcome, welcome to the podcasting life.
2: Oh. I guess ultimately, you both are people who I feel like when I talk to, I can talk about important things and meaningful things in a way that just feels normal and natural. And I think being able to do that in this setting will allow us to explore topics that are meaningful to all of us uh, even deeper. And I hope I can add to what you guys have already started on this great podcast.
0: So we're going to play a quick game, which is kind of what happened when we started, and they talked about us. Wani, what are the first three words that came to mind when you met Matt for the first time?
2: When
1: I, when I met Matt for the first time? Like, he walked in my door, and I saw Matt, and I...
0: i uh, fine, like, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, okay?
1: Try, okay, I got to put myself in the, the headspace of back when I first met y'all. You walked in my door, you came in, introduced yourself, and I was like okay, here's this. okay, first, I think, I thought, oh, here's a white guy and an Asian girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's, okay, that was the first Uh time. The second one was when he said, Matt Kohler, I was like,
0: Uh oh,
1: is he related to Andrew Kohler? Uh, And the third one was, how in the world did they find my apartment? (laughs) (laughs) You were the first person that came to my apartment for that small group that day and I had never met you before and I, uh, no one, and, no one had told me that y'all were coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just and just feeling,
0: like that, we stayed in your lives.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's uh, crazy how all that happens. <laughs> so those were the first three thoughts that came to, to, to my head. I actually don't remember yeah. the first place we met. It
2: was at your apartment?
1: Yeah. It was at the apartment in uh, uh, Mid-Southtown, wow. San yeah. Antonio.
0: Well, and we, we had- saw him, Matt, at church. Because we're like, oh, Juan, he looks like such a nice guy when he was serving. And he was, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, but then we met him for the first time at small group.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, then, Eunji, in your case, what were the first three thoughts that you met or that you thought when you first encountered Matt in person? <laughs>
0: Oh, in person. Okay. Because I had some thoughts pre-person. Oh, okay. Um, let's
1: say, let's say. No,
0: no, 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 no. I got three already.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, well, because the other one was a little judgmental when I was a high school senior. So that's for another story later, maybe. Anyways, okay. I met him my senior year of college. And my first three words that came to mind is Tokyo Boy guy. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought too. <laughs> um. Way too big arms for my liking. Doesn't matter, cause boyfriend of Amy. <laughs> Those are the first three words.
2: My words for y'all are so much better. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no. the dif- The difference The difference between your situation, and our situation was. Before we
2: when our <laughs> was our initial reaction. Yeah. Were, oh, you got to know us for a while. So you just you just manipulated the prompt for Yeah, uh, and it'll be
0: funny because you don't want to do the same prompt, you want a little bit of a twist. Um, but in that obviously one thing that was a connection was, you know, white guy, right? And I think something that's helpful is Matt is not white a white guy, he was a halfie, right? He's half Korean and half fa- half Korean, half white. And I think that's something that I need to always remind myself as well. I think he's just going to bring a different flavor of perspective to our conversations, being a half Korean American, but, you know, um, really sharing his identity as being married to um, someone who is fully in Korean culture and then also being able to se- step back and share what that might be different in if that makes sense like
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i think i'm also excited because over time i'll kind of explore my own i don't know i've never really had a strong self-identity yeah i just kind of like either fit in or just go with what's around me and like culturally i've never really identified with something particularly i've more identified with just like the environment that's placed around me and i kind of blend into that which i've always done well but there's probably some deeper things to explore myself as as we uh do
0: this and i'm all about matt exploring his identity so why not um we're gonna end it with you can choose one or the other because there are two um, kind of big things this weekend as you're hopefully listening to this podcast Today is Halal, um, which is Lunar New Year, uh, which is celebrated in a lot of Asian countries. And so my question, you can pick one or the other for all three of us is one, how did you guys celebrate Korean New Year? And if you didn't celebrate it specifically on halal, did you guys know that Korean, Koreans were um, under Japanese rule? And so they were forced to celebrate it under the Gregorian calendar, which is January 1st. Um, but later, when they gained independence, they were able to then also celebrate during this three-day kind of holiday. However, Koreans had started to immigrate, immigrate to America. So a lot of Korean Americans still celebrate it on January 1st. Because mm. I, I never really celebrated it on this weekend. We did it on January 1st. Mm. Anyway, so the question is, either what are some fun traditions you guys did to celebrate Lunar New Year? And then two... What is your most fondest Valentine's memory? (laughs) Only one for the sake of time. Uh,
2: I'll say how we celebrated New Year. I I mean, I I guess it was Korean New Year because we did it every year on January 1st. Probably the only annual thing we did that was of Korean culture, I guess. So I'm a happy. so my mom was Korean. And on New Year's, we would, in the morning, uh, start with like the what was it, the um, rice cake and like dumpling soup uh, yeah, that we would make. Yeah, uh, which is good. And that was, I think like the only time we'd ever really eat it, but we did every journey first. And then um, we would bow. So we'd all look forward to this. Because at one point we had all our relatives, not all, but so like my uncle and my grandparents would often stay with us. So we'd have a lot of older family there. So this is when the money-making happened. So we would, uh, get, they would all come to our. Usually, we did it at our home, and we would put on the humbooks and we would bow, and we get hundreds of dollars. So hundreds,
0: wow. Year,
2: and then Matt, se- Matt, what
0: did you say?
2: The se- money sale, and then we uh, go down. Wow. Uh, and then I hated wearing my thing. I always thought I looked like uh, Prince Aladdin, like someone out of Aladdin. Wearing- <laughs> outfit so i didn't like it it was really nice thinking back on it and then we would play the uh
0: what's it called
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then um yeah so we had like the stick set so we'd play that and that was about it so we had like four hours every january 1st to do all this yeah those are honestly like half the photos i feel like i have from childhood are actually of that day because we weren't a big photo-taking family, but we have a lot from from those, so um, yeah, it's a really neat thing. I guess the one part that we held on to year, year to year
0: I love it.
2: Korean identity.
0: And I'm glad we can do that with Jaden, too. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing, Matt. Well, I'll go next, since you did the um, New Year celebrations, and honestly, mine was very similar to yours, so awesome. Um, I will share the Valentine's One of my fondest Valentine stories then, Uh, it was, I think it was seventh grade, seventh or eighth. Maybe it wasn't as fond as I thought. Seventh or eighth grade. Obviously, I'm talking about my middle school days. Hormones are high. One of my best Valentine's memories was in Dallas, we get snow at least a couple times every year, unlike Houston and Austin or San Antonio. And this time, the snow came on... February 14th, right? And so it was a white Valentine's, right? Oh, what is more romantic than a white Christmas? A white Valentine's, right? What is more romantic than a white Valentine's? Going to church and building snowmen and playing snowball fights with your crush that you had during 7th and 8th and probably to like 10th grade. Um, And so that was honestly one of my favorite Valentine's days. I remember just getting all excited to go to church and do snowball fights, but then secretly being so happy to be playing with what I thought was then the man of my dreams, you know what I'm saying? But now i really met the man of my dreams. Um, and so I'll, I'll always remember that because it just reminds me of, you know, just how fun young love is. And I don't know, I think a white Valentine's is so rare in Texas. So it's always something that's super special. I also got to spend it with my brother and sister. Um, so that was fun too.
2: Mm,
1: nice. I think for me, my family didn't really celebrate Lunar New Year all that much. Whenever we were in Korea, we used to do the whole like bowing, getting money, <laughs> all that stuff, eating tteok-gook. Uh But my, I guess related to the story that you told about the Koreans and the Gregorian calendar and mm. Lunar calendar and all that stuff, my grandparents on my dad's side, they celebrate their ber- birthdays based on the lunar calendar. And so every year, the their birthday would change.
0: Yeah. And so every
1: year, every year, uh, my mom would randomly tell me, hey, it's your grandpa's birthday. You got to call him. <laughs> and like, hey, it's your grandma's birthday. You got to call him. And I would never know what day it was until the day it happened. And so to this day, I'm sorry to say I don't know what my grandparents' actual birthdays are because, like, I yeah. it just happened on random days. Uh, it's an interesting fun fact about Korean culture. There's yes. a generation gap about the lunar calendar and the solar calendar the R- gregarian calendar yeah
0: yeah. because my, my mom's birthday changed it was December 27th and then it became January 27th and now we celebrate it on February 10th so um, <laughs> uh, um, I know you're listening happy late birthday um, yeah isn't that that's so interesting but that's weird because my mom is not a grandparent um, but mm. <laughs> oh, that's so cool that you kind of brought that up Fun. that is a fun fact about our culture though um, a lot of confused older generation people <laughs> Yep. Well, that's so cool, guys. I'm super excited to continue these conversations with one another. Just just me and my Enneagram nines off on here <laughs> on the pod. <laughs> okay. Anything else?
1: Nope. That's it for me.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, um, until one of you guys figure out a better ending. <laughs> Three, two, one.
1: Oh, I will share before we sign off and come up with, say, our cringy, uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: cringy, uh-huh. uh, one-liners. Uh-huh. I asked my sister if she has any uh, outros that are better than the one we have now. Is and, that the ending? Uh,
0: thing? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Should I read some for you?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh
1: huh. She said, "Listen to us for free. It's Ng and One here signing off." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of them. The, the second one was, "This is Ng and I'm full of jubilee," and then I say, "This is One here and I have got a degree." Thank you for making this podcast a reality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that one. That one's cringier. I love cringe.
1: Oh, oh, I told her no, but I wanted to share and acknowledge that my sister put in some hard work coming up with those.
0: Okay, well, Matt, you're going to have to think of yours because we're going to end it with that one. So in three, two, one, this is Unji, and I'm full of jubilee.
1: This is here and I got a degree. <laughs> Thank you for making this podcast a reality. A
2: reality. <laughs> Am I supposed to think of one?
0: Well, you're kind of losing the momentum.
2: <laughs> this is Maddie, and I made our group three.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Aaron, for making it cringier.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> okay, bye.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: in the ocean, a change in the weather. I was... Praying that you and me might end up together